As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Wait till they get a load of me. I'm Spartacus! I'm Spartacus! I'm Batman. I am the father. I am Optimus Prime. My name is Bob. James Bob. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! You shall not pass! Here's Johnny! Some men just want to watch the world burn. I'm only human, Harry! Talking movies with Brian Lataki. And here we go. Here's Brian Lataki. You can do it! Hello, friends, and welcome to Talking Movies. I'm Brian Lataki, and today we take a look at a movie with a name that I have mocked repeatedly, yet still rushed out to see Venom Let There Be Carnage. You live in my body, you live by my rules. I'm sorry! I don't know what came over me, please. Let me fix it. So I can forget it again! You are a loser. I have tasted blood before, and that is not it. Whoa, where you going? That is a red one! You need to come out right now. I will let you eat everybody! Promise! I promise! Oh, yeah! God, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry! This dude needs some serious couples counseling. Eddie Brock attempts to reignite his career by interviewing serial killer Cletus Cassidy, who becomes the host of the symbiote Carnage and escapes prison after a failed execution. Written by Kelly Marcel and Tom Hardy and directed by Andy Serkis, Venom Let There Be Carnage stars Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock in Venom, Woody Harrelson as Cletus Cassidy in Carnage, Michelle Williams as Anne Weying, Naomi Harris as Frances Barrison in Shriek, and features Reed Scott, Stephen Graham, and Peggy Lou. Venom is still one of the most favorite anti-heroes in the Marvel Universe. Zip it, Stanley! For example, with the release of the trailer for Insomniac Games Spider-Man 2, the video game world exploded with pictures of Venom's toothy smile. And in every conversation there is to be had about Venom, the question is always raised about Carnage. The yin to his yang, the peanut butter to his jelly, the mayhem to his chaos. The biggest fear out of a lot of fans, including mine, is that this movie sits at a meager 90 minutes. That means one of the most popular villains was going to have to fight his most popular antagonist, and we had a whole hour and a half to whip a story together that we cared about enough to get to that climactic battle. And while Tom, Woody, and Andy definitely pulled it off, it is not without its flaws. Let's start with the most glaring, the continued addition of characters that nobody really cares about. While the subplot with Shriek is the driving force of the movie, her dialogue was not good and she was severely underutilized. In fact, her whole subplot felt like an unnecessary addition, and it feels like Venom 2 fell victim to our sequel needs to have two villains, which is a problem that a number of superhero sequels always do. Meanwhile, Carnage was easily enough of a villain to fill the short runtime without an additional partner. Venom 2 also continues with its extensive use of dark fight scenes with overly used CGI. Now, it's exactly what I would expect from this type of movie, but still, the dark fight scenes make it awkward and hard to see, considering that Venom and Carnage are both the same type of character. That said, the movie was goofy and funny, with mostly good CGI anyways. There was nothing particularly mind-blowing about this film that I'm willing to share in this review in order to keep it spoiler-free. Now, is it worth seeing? Well, if you're a fan of Venom, of course it is, but you don't need me telling you that. You've probably already gone, or the plans are already in place. If you want to see where this is going to go next, of course you need to see it. But if you are on the fence following the credits of the first Venom movie, you may want to wait until this one makes its way onto streaming services. For me, though, I enjoyed it. 
I give Venom Let There Be Carnage a B. If you're tired of the same old style, give a shout to Nick at Swish Barbershop at 844 St. Mary's Road and get fresh. Book today by visiting boybarbernick.com. I've just been handed an urgent news story. Cannonball! Let's get into movie news you can use, and let's start it off with a movie that is upcoming that we kind of knew about, kind of didn't. Mere months after announcing that he was working on a long-awaited director's cut of the fourth Rocky film, Sylvester Stallone's Rocky vs. Drago edition has officially released its first trailer. Rocky vs. Drago will hit theaters November 11th for an exclusive engagement via MGM and Fathom, followed by a digital demand release on November 12th. Rocky vs. Drago will contain 40 minutes of never-before-seen footage from the 1985 classic. Upon its release in 85, Rocky IV became the highest grossing of all of the Rocky films, as well as the highest grossing sports drama in cinema for nearly a quarter century. Written, directed, and starring Sylvester Stallone, Rocky IV also features Bridget Nielsen, Burt Young, Carl Weathers, Dolph Lundgren, and more. Over in the world of casting, the cast is continuing to grow for the upcoming prequel, Wonka. Joining the already signed Timothy Chalamet, who'll be playing Willy Wonka himself, as well as Keegan-Michael Key, will be Sally Hawkins, Rowan Atkinson, Olivia Coleman, and Jim Carter. Wonka is set to tell the story of a young Willy Wonka and how he met the Oompa Loompas on one of his earliest adventures. Paddington's Paul King is slated to direct from a script that he co-wrote with Simon Farnaby. All of the original music is set to be written by Neil Hannon of the band The Divine Comedy. Scarlett Johansson has officially called off her lawsuit with Disney. I'm always picking up after you boys. The two partners decided to settle, and it's likely that Johansson is going to see $40 million more in her pocket when all is said and done. Scarlett Johansson released a statement that said, quote, I am happy to have resolved our differences with Disney. I'm incredibly proud of the work we've done together over the years and have greatly enjoyed my creative relationship with the team. I look forward to continuing our collaboration in years to come. The lawsuit stemmed from Johansson claiming that the studio sacrificed the film's box office potential of Black Widow in order to grow its fledgling Disney Plus streaming service. Disney countered that Johansson was already paid $20 million for the film, while Johansson had claimed that she was guaranteed an exclusive theatrical release when she signed her deal. She alleged that her contract was breached when the film was simultaneously released on Disney+. Plus. Black Widow, which has already earned $379 million at the worldwide box office to date, debuted simultaneously on Disney Plus Premier Access for an additional $30, as well as in select theaters. In other upcoming projects, director Ridley Scott has confirmed that he will begin work on Gladiator 2 following the conclusion of Kitbag, which is his Napoleon movie starring Joaquin Phoenix and Jodie Comer. While speaking with Empire, Ridley Scott has said that he has already completed writing the script and that Gladiator will be ready to go. It was reported back in 2018 that Peter Craig, who wrote The Town, was writing Gladiator 2, which would take place 25 to 30 years after the first film and continue the story of Lucius, the son of Lucilla, and the nephew of Commodus, who in the 2000 film was greatly influenced by Maximus. Ridley Scott has been a busy guy with his next film releasing on October 15th, 2021, called The Last Duel, which will then be followed by House of Gucci releasing on November 24th. Just last week, I had told you about a movie that was coming out from John Watts that will star George Clooney and Brad Pitt. Well, it seems that the studios have finally figured out who will be releasing it, and that will be Apple Studios. The deal will see the film get a significant theatrical release, all due to the fact that between Clooney and Pitt, an eight-figure sum was put on the table to ensure the theatrical component. The exact amount of the deal was not revealed, but given the talent involved, it was likely very big. The one thing is, and this is like just his thing and stupid, but I'd have to pay you by check. 
Let's, or we could just stick to cash. Apple also landed Emancipation, which is a new film from director Antoine Fuqua, which will both star and be produced by Will Smith. They also picked up the highly sought-after Killers of the Flower Moon, directed by Martin Scorsese and starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro, as well as Spirited, a musical take on Charles Dickens' classic holiday story starring Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds, and Octavia Spencer, and Raymond and Ray, which is a new film starring Ewan McGregor and Ethan Hawke. It was also announced that FXX will be renewing Archer for season 13, which will release sometime in 2022 for eight episodes. I'm sorry, what's that? Miss it. I can't hear you. All right. Over the sound. Of my deafening awesomeness. It's also being said that the death of Jessica Walter, who voiced Mallory Archer, will be creatively addressed in the new season. Over at HBO, it was announced that Larry David will be returning to your screen on Sunday, October 24th. But when I borrow something, I return. Borrow, return. Oh, for sake. The 10-episode season currently has its plotline under wraps. However, J.B. Smoove recently told Deadline that the pandemic could be a part of the storyline. Meanwhile, Disney Plus has given Star Wars fans something to look forward to before the end of the year. They have announced that The Book of Boba Fett, which was teased during the Season 2 finale of The Mandalorian, will premiere on Disney Plus on December 29th of 2021. The official synopsis says that The Book of Boba Fett, a thrilling Star Wars adventure, finds legendary bounty hunter Boba Fett and mercenary Fennec Shen navigating the galaxy's underworld when they return to the sands of Tatooine to stake their claim on the territory once ruled by Jabba the Hutt and his crime syndicate. The series will star Tamora Morrison and Ming-Na Wen, while Jon Favreau, Dave Filoni, Robert Rodriguez, Kathleen Kennedy, and Colin Wilson will serve as executive producers. And finally, with an interview with Collider, James McAvoy has said that he still hopes to join the Star Trek franchise, saying that he is available to play young Jean-Luc Picard if needed. He said, quote, I mean, I've often talked about loving Star Trek and jokingly, but also kind of seriously been like, if you ever want to do a young Jean-Luc Picard, I'm your man. But I'm probably getting close to being too old to do a young Jean-Luc Picard now. So there's that. I've always loved it. Always. McAvoy would be no stranger to playing a young Jean-Luc Picard as he did in the X-Men franchise. He said, quote, I've successfully been Patrick, actually, and been balded up, and although maybe again the young Jean-Luc wouldn't be bald. But yeah, no, maybe I'm overqualified for it, though. That's the other thing. Do you know what I mean? It's too easy. It's too obvious a choice. So maybe that turns people off from it. McAvoy would not be the first person to play a young Jean-Luc Picard as his clone was previously played by Tom Hardy in the 2002 film Star Trek Nemesis. But what about X-Men? Well, as far as the X-Men franchise goes, McAvoy feels like he's done with the character of Professor X, but that he wouldn't rule it out if he was asked to return. He then continued to say that he won't be, quote, gutted and desperately sad if it ever happens again. That's it for this episode of Talk. Talking Movies. Follow me on social media at Talking Movies PC and download full length episodes on all of your favorite podcast platforms. And as always, all I ever wanted in this circus of hell is carnage. <laughs>